there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to episode one of the Get In Podcast, brought to you by Fourth and Dude. After a long hiatus, we are officially back on the air to talk Boston College football. Week zero has officially kicked off, and we are just seven days away from the season opener against Northern Illinois. It's do or die time in Chestnut Hill, with the Eags coming off a brutal 3-9 and nine year, and Coach Halfley is squarely on the hot seat. On today's episode... We'll recap a busy offseason, preview the 2023 slate, and break down our official season predictions. Matt, if you asked me after, I don't know, the Rutgers game, certainly after the UConn game, you know, even any time in the last three months, if I was going to talk to you again on this podcast, obviously we, we talk frequently in real life. Uh, on this podcast, I would have said absolutely not. I thought we were going to hang up the microphone for good. You've actually lost your microphone, so this is an AirPods game for you, but we're going to play through some adversity. We're back. I think we're optimistic. I wouldn't expect this to last on a weekly basis, but with the hype, I think, that we were all feeling around this program coming into this year, and I think I mean that earnestly, I think it was only right for us to get together and chop it up and try to uh, try to build some excitement here. Yeah, the mic went in the dumpster after the Notre Dame game that we were yeah, at, that's by a good the way. That, yep. that was at 44 nothing. Uh, yeah, after right. that, there was no coming back. And I, I said, I, you know what? I've recorded my last BC football podcast. But you know, you know what it is? There's just so much. Uh, we've gotten a lot of flack. We, we've gotten a lot of you know messages from folks. Saying, hey, where's the pod? Where's the pod? And uh, I think we agreed. Let's do one last ride. And, and as soon as we lose a game that we shouldn't, we're done. All right. I want to be clear on that. But um but let's see what happens these first few weeks, man. We'll get into all of it. But uh, but excited to be back on the mic, and it should be a fun season, or it won't be. Yeah, first and foremost, the, the, losing a game we should we shouldn't could happen in six days and twenty hours or so from now. It's six o'clock on on Saturday before the season kicks off. Uh, I have some concerns about Northern Illinois that we'll talk about. I think generally I have a ton of optimism, as we do every year. But as we also know that that rarely comes to fruition. I think up front, I, I want to note that uh, this is a historically low-researched year and episode for me. Uh, I know you've done a little bit more than I have. I think in the last twenty minutes, I did some. The last cramming. twenty minutes, you know, as you get as you get a little older, Matt and I are now. You know, we're hitting thirty-two. You know, you, you have more responsibilities at work, family, whatever it is. It's tough to keep up with a program that consistently lets you down. I think that's you know bittersweet in a way. If I can kind of take a step back and talk life, like. The reality is that, Matt, if last season had happened, you know, when you and I were 24 living in the North End together, we lose to Rutgers, we lose to UConn, like the optimism we had with the halfway thing just gone off the rails, like that would have broken us as, as men. Uh, and I think it's a credit to our maturity that we got through last season and like it sucked. It was terrible. It was probably the most disappointing year uh, that I've had since since I became a fan of this team back in 2009. But we got through it, and I think that's that's the the positive aspect of being a little bit disconnected. The downside is that when we talk for the next hour, we're not really going to hit you with X's and O's. What I will say is we got guys like you know AJ Black does great X's and O's things. So if you're looking for that, Boston College fans have an outlet. This is going to be more shooting from the hip, shooting from the heart, and uh, you know just talking about our feelings a little bit. Yeah, and and one of the great things about this season, and we'll talk about it, is it it can't be any worse than last season. Like last year, well, I guess it could be, technically. We did lose Zay. Uh, we'll talk about that. But we went 3-9 last year. The majority of the games weren't even close. You know, one of those wins was over Maine. It, it was an all-time bad year. And, you know, hopefully it's a wake-up call for the guys. Obviously, we got some skill guys coming in uh, through the portal. Halfley's, you know, got to be kind of giving it his all at this point. He's got to know that this is sort of like do or die, right? If, if, if he doesn't have it this year, then... 
you know, he's certainly probably, I don't want to say he's definitely gone knowing who's at the helm of, of you know, uh, you know, Father Leahy and, and who knows, you know, what happens. We've seen coaches hang on for, for years and years when they probably shouldn't. But at a certain point, you know, this is year four and it's it's put up or shut up time for for Jeff Athley. So we're all rooting for him and, and all we want is for, you know, for us to be a competitive football team again. So with that, let's get into it a little bit, Matt. Um, before we talk BC, it is officially week zero. And as you mentioned, it's it's six o'clock on a Saturday night. Nice social life for us. Yeah, we're our wives, this is so our wives cool. are out of town, so that's why we're <laughs> able to podcast. Um, so we just wrapped up the uh, the the Navy Notre Dame game, which was a bit of, a bit of a disaster. I'm officially 0 one on the gambling season. I took Navy. It was kind of a, a rage bet. As soon as Notre Dame's band fired up shipping up to Boston, uh, I took Navy in the points. And you know what, Matt? I thought. I thought Notre Dame would have some class and respect our troops and not, you know, run up the score. But I guess not. 42 to 3 was the final. Navy did yep. not cover and the fighting Frenchmen get out to a uh, an opening season uh win in Dublin, which is they should have played I saw a tweet. They should have played this game in Paris. Was that you? Was that your tweet? It feels like no, a tweet that should have been it yours. Wasn't. Okay. It was a tweet on someone, the has, someone has stolen it. Yeah, look, I think that we can definitely say when we play Army in uh, in a month, you know, just because we respect the troops, that's a game. If anything, we'll win by like a field goal, but we might lose it because we respect the troops that much, and I think Notre Dame, you know, can't stand for that. This was a pretty sickening, uh, sickening week leading up to this game, of you know the amount of like Irish angle they were playing up. Like again, I think that you and I and the Boston College fan base knows probably more than any other school. Like no one else, I think, realizes that they're founded by the French. Uh, it maybe shouldn't bother us as much as it does, but here we are. Like all of these you know, nice folks in Dublin who were so excited to welcome this Irish team into, into their city for a week, like thought they were you know, really welcoming you know, the, the, son, you know, the, the sons of hardworking Irishmen in Boston. And that's just not the case. So, you know, it's a shame that they were kind of hoodwinked like that. Uh, I don't think that the, the kind folks of Ireland deserve that. So seeing that was pretty sickening. You know, it, I, I, it made me say that we need to go back to a game in Ireland. Um, I know, what, what was this, uh, six years ago when we played there last? Like, we need to get back there. We are the only Irish Catholic school. Georgia playing. Tech was 2016. Patty I think Tolles. it was, yeah, yeah, six or seven, right? So uh, we need to get back there. We are the only Irish Catholic school. You know, even if you want to make it against Notre Dame, you know, because they want to play up the, this this BS Irish angle, fine, I'll take it. Um, but that's my takeaway was that this was a painful week watching uh, the hype. And also we need to go back to the Aviva. 42 to three on, on, you know, one of the nations, you know, like Navy is just a historical institution. And, you know, fun fact, actually, they said it on the broadcast. I didn't realize this, but during World War II, Navy actually bailed Notre Dame out of a bunch of financial difficulties. And to, uh, you know, to beat them like that, 42 to three, it, it's not surprising at this point. Uh, that's what you get with a Notre Dame team, but, uh, but that's all I want to say on that. Let's uh, let's move on. We got a lot to cover before Northern Illinois uh, coming up in seven days here. I think the best way to do this is we'll just kind of go back and forth here. We'll talk Pood and Dude, as you guys know, that's our our famous segment here. And maybe we can start with some of the negatives. There's a lot to, to and we don't want to you know, recap all of last season. I think we're all sick of dealing with it. I know the players and Coach Half are sick of talking about it. But there are some negatives from the offseason that we can rip through before turning the page to some of the positives and some of the good things that we can look forward to this season. Uh, Matt, do you want to kick it off? Yeah, I'll go with the first one. I don't know if this is on your list, and you know how I feel about calling out people individually, but this guy's an adult, so he can deal with it. I don't understand why we brought back Matt Applebaum as our – Offensive line coach. I mean, do you disagree? He he no. oversaw now, and I know there was the whole zone blocking thing or or whatever things above my pay grade. But I know you play enough Madden to know kind of the X's and O's of it. But like, he took what was historically a great offensive line and basically decimated them in his first year. He's gone, rightly so, uh, and now he just shows up again and is back. Like, I have a ton of, as I'll talk about in a minute, a ton of optimism about what this offensive line is going to do this year. But, like, we really couldn't find anybody else. And maybe this is a bigger issue. Maybe it's more of a halfway issue of they can tell he's on the hot seat, whatever it might be. But, like, if the best we can get is a retread who's, you know, failed out of a lot of jobs, it's not quite as bad as Gouge, obviously. It's a step up. But uh, it does feel like we're, you know, reinventing a wheel that that we don't need to reinvent. Yeah, I, I actually would have preferred we give Gooch another year rather than that's That's, that's crazy. Dude, I mean, what he did in 2020 – we had five all ACC guys and we somehow had the worst offensive line 
I think in history. Well, up until we broke that last year. Um, but in 2020, I mean, we had guys like Zion and Petrula and Lindstrom and Mahogany. It was a disaster. So, uh, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Kind of feels like that's what we did with, with Coach Applebaum. Maybe he'll surprise us, maybe not. The whole coaching search, obviously we, we turned over <laughs> most of the key positions on the coaching staff in the offseason. And, you know, I recall we, we waited and waited until I think it was March or April when they finally said, hey, here's our staff. And there's some concerns, right? The coordinators could be a disaster on both sides. I think defensively we'll probably be okay. We lost Tom Lukabu, uh, who went back to the pros. So they promoted Coach Azar to co-DC. He's sharing duties with uh, linebacker coach Sean Duggan. Obviously, that's Halfley's wheelhouse as well. So I don't have a ton of issues on the defensive side. I think that will be, you know, hopefully a step up from last year. Uh, you know, we gave up uh, like 30 points or, or something like that per game. So there's certainly room for improvement, but. You know, the fact that we got to retain Coach Azar, I think, is big. He's obviously one of our top recruiters. My bigger issue is on the offensive side of the football. Obviously, it was a disaster last year. We don't have to you know, keep beating that dead horse. But Halfley also decided, hey, we're going to have two offensive coordinators this year. And so so Rob Chizinski, is the, he's going to be the big picture guy, right? And, and Steve Shimko, who I think was the tight end coach, uh, is going to call. He's going to call the plays based on whatever game plan Chud puts together. It seems like Halfley is just kind of th- waving the white flag, removing himself completely from the offensive side of the football. He's saying, "I don't get it, Chud. You take it. You be the the offensive coach." Pretty much. Um, my one concern on on Shimko is Halfley called him a rising star, which to me that's kind of the kiss of death. If, if Halfley thinks you're a good offensive coordinator, you're probably not. So. Between all of those, there's certainly some some concerns that the coordinators, I don't think they'll be worse than last year, but I don't know that there's going to be this great incremental improvement, but uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's almost like a canary in the coal mine of a broader issue of, of we did this whole national search, like you said, and, and this is what we ended up with. Now, obviously, a lot of that is guys just looking at last season and, you know, hearing chatter and understanding that Halfley is indeed on the hot seat. And I don't know what that number is, if he needs to get to six wins, whatever the number is in order for him to stick around. But obviously, you don't want to go, you know, move your family to Boston to take a job at a you know, what has become, unfortunately, a lower level power five program, knowing that there's a good chance your head coach is fired, you know, in, in nine months. So I understand that. My bigger concern is that if there's, you know, more to it than that and, and, and people in coaching circles like saying, you know, behind closed doors that Halfley has no idea what he's doing and, you know, ignore the fact that he may or may not get fired. Like you just don't want to go work for this guy because he's going to be a stain on your career, no matter what happens. Maybe I'm reading into the situation a little bit too much, but you would think that we could still get at least some, you know, up and coming hotshot. And I know you used up and coming in a bad way there, but like you actually get some, you know, you know, 28 year old wonderkind who wants to come in here and just try his hand at running an offense. And the fact that we couldn't get anything like that or, you know, get a look like that is, I don't know, potentially uh, concerning if I'm kind of putting my conspiracy theory hat on. Definitely. I think there's some concern that, you know, why would you want to go work for a lame duck unless you're in a bad situation? And then if you're in a right. bad situation, you're probably not doing a great job. So the sample size is probably limited from which, you know, PC could say, hey, do you want to come come work for a year? And um, so, yeah, unfortunately, that's that's the reality. That's what happens when you're in year four and uh, apparently heading the appearing to head the wrong direction. So that was that was a negative. Um, Got it out of our system. Yeah, Got it out of our do, system. Maybe we do a positive. Um, I yeah. want to talk a little bit about Donovan Ezeraku, Big Easy. He's got he's the guy to watch this year. He was by far our best defensive player last year. He had eight and a half sacks and 14 and a half tackles for a loss. He's a preseason all ACC first teamer, has been named to the Nagurski Award. Um Bronco Nagurski, ultimate dude. Uh shout out That's to Good Steve reference. Yeah, good reference. And uh so so I think he's he's gonna be kind of the the main guy on defense. We're better when we have uh, a dominant edge guy. You guys remember Harold Landry and uh, Zach Allen. Guys like that can really change the entire ability of your defense to contain the run and, and threat against the pass, too. So we haven't had that in recent years. As much as I love some of the guys that have been at that position recently, we haven't had this game changer in you know four or five years. So... I think that he's the guy that's going to make our defense go. He's going to, he's going to, you know, certainly cause some turnovers. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to, 
hopefully keep the offense at least they have to keep keep him in mind, right? The quarterback has him lurking in the back of his head, and you know, hopefully that's going to lead to negative plays and help out the other position groups because I think we'll need it. So, easy. That's a big positive this year. He's going to do great things, and and you know, I don't know what the draft projections looking looking like, but if he continues improving year over year like he has, he could be another guy that goes first round. I like it. Um, I'm going to kind of go counter to my first point, but my biggest dude aptly you know named dude as a group is going to be the offensive line i think despite the apple bomb hire and everything else i just said i have a ton of high expectations for this group especially compared to last year obviously it starts with mahogany being back uh that's massive it was a huge 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 loss to lose him last year i think you, know, you talk about draft prospects i think he's you know considered to be a you know relatively top prospect uh, so having him back will absolutely be massive. And, you know, credit too to like a character guy. And this, again, goes against kind of what I was saying potentially about people, you know, not saying good things about Halfley, but like you, ha- you saw it with Zay and you're seeing it with Mahogany. They easily could have transferred or, you know, left a year early or, you know, done a number of different things. But for him to stick around as and you know as a grad student and want to stay at BC, I think shows a, a, a positive character to him, uh, but also to what this program is potentially building. So super positive about him being back, obviously, but I think the broader line as a whole, uh, you know, there's a ton to be positive about. So, you know, I don't know if, if you watch Matt, the uh, ACC road trip episode with Boston College that came out last week or the week before. I think you were in a Caribbean island, so you may have missed it. Uh, but they were very high on the dudes up front as well. They took him to Eagles Deli. They all ate a bunch of burgers, which is always good. You got to have your big dogs eat. So overall, uh, I am very positive about what's going to come out of that front. And I think, you know, as we've always seen as BC fans, like our game starts up front, whether that's a run game or giving more head or whoever the quarterback is potentially. We'll talk about that more time. Uh, so if we can get a good protection this year, I think that will be night and day versus you know what we've been dealing with previously. Agreeing, yes. I'm glad you brought that up. I was in Bermuda. Uh, shout out to the Swizzle Inn. If you've ever been there, uh, if you know, you know. Uh, and I'm actually playing Hurt. I uh, This is good radio here, um, but on screen I'm showing my uh, – just the, what, what, what's called the Bermuda Tattoo. That's what when you crash a moped um, – and you, you wind up taking some of the pavement home with you. So it's a I bad. Thought, I can, from here, I just to help our audience. It's a really bad. It's like a really bad scar. What, yeah. Is a moped? Is a moped like a? That's a two. Like, are you supposed to be able to tip over on that? Is that two wheels or? or it's what's like a, motor, a moped. It's like a motorcycle. Yeah. Okay. And and I'm a guy that I don't think I've ever ridden a moped. I, I barely. I haven't ridden a bike in 15 years. But you know, when you're in Bermuda, you know that's what people do. And the challenge there, because it's a British colony too, they drive on the left side of the road. So that was part of it. Um, but it's all right. We got back on the bike, much like BC needs to get back on the bike. Um, so, so we're all good. Uh, playing, playing hurt. Actually my golf game's in shambles, but I did play yesterday and played through the pain and and it was all good. So, uh, the accounting is, is, is fine. Playing through it. The the V lookups are still, I was worried about your ability to do Excel with, uh, with the torn arm. So that's huge. Yeah. It's it's been, you know, it's, I'd say 80% have been, uh, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm playing through it. It's all good. Agree with what you said on the old line. Uh, it's probably a good a good segue into some of the transfers that we got, which are both positives and negatives. Some of the key guys that we got through the transfer portal are on the O line. I think we got a guy from Virginia, a guy from somewhere else. This is where the lack of research kicks in. But I think they're they're going to be pretty good. I would have preferred that we took like ten more offensive linemen. Obviously, that resulted. Everyone saw it last year having the worst offensive line in football is detrimental to your ability to move the football down the field. So uh, so it's good that we brought, you know, a couple of those guys in. Hopefully, you know, they're veterans. So you put them along with Mahogany, who hopefully can stay healthy, along with the guys like Drew Kendall and, uh, and Ozzie. We got a pretty good line uh, as long as the, the guys stay, you know, upright. And then, you know, on top of that, we also brought in, let's see who else. Oh, the UCF guys you got to talk about, right? Yep. Tommy Castellanos, the UCF transfer. Obviously, we have a quarterback, uh, Emmett Moorhead, who certainly had some bright spots last season, namely the you know NC State game, played well against Duke. But as we've learned with Jerko the past couple years, it's good to have a backup. And he's also more of a dual threat. So I do wonder if they're going to have some type of – like he reminds me a little bit of Tyler Murphy. Like he's, he certainly has some running ability. I wonder if they do some type of multi-quarterback system or at least drop a couple a couple packages for him, like the Sean Glennon, Ty, Tyrod Taylor type days of Virginia Tech. 
I know the old saying is if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And then on top of that, our, our coaches couldn't really figure out one offense last year, so maybe we shouldn't be doing two. But, you know, it's certainly there's no downside to having him on the roster. And then, you know, Ryan O'Keefe, uh, he runs like a two-second 40. He's one of the fastest guys we've ever seen on the field. He's also from UCF. He, I think, is faster from end to end. I think he's faster than Zay. Zay might be more agile and have, you know, better quickness. But straight line speed, you know, O'Keefe could be our home run threat this year. So I think those guys are huge. We also got like 12 defensive backs in the portal, classic halfly. But uh, but got some some big guns uh, through the portal this year that we're excited about. Apropos of, of nothing and not at all relevant to football, but Ryan O'Keefe and Tommy Castellanos – Sounds like two guys who got, you know, kicked out of Fenway for underage drinking and fighting. Not like <laughs> not like a quarterback and wide receiver combo from UCF. So yeah. That's going to mess with me all season. Even just earlier today when I was looking through the roster trying to find those guys, it took me a six or seven passes until I realized uh, who I was looking for. So uh, we got there. Agree. I don't know. I don't know if there's quite a quarterback controversy. Like, I think I probably lean more towards, you know, your view of like a dual threat or, or kind of a two quarterback type system. You know, again, because if you feel very confident about Moorhead being the guy for all 12 games or all 15 games, sorry, uh, you know, then it's like, <laughs> all right, well, let's get someone like Delaportas, you know, uh, to be second string and get him the reps of the second string team and kind of build him up a little bit. I know he's only, what is he officially, I think he's officially two classes behind Moorhead or uh, I don't know, one or two. Matt, um, Matt, I have some bad news. Delaportas transferred like six months ago. Matt, you remember earlier when I said that I've done no research? Can I, he's still on the roster here, so that's I don't blame myself. I blame whoever replaced Jason Baum for not taking him off. All right, fine. Who do we want to say? Matt Ruby, but Ruby's a junior, Keep so going. you're not going to get him the reps. Nope. Keep naming Ruby's him. Ruby's gone too? I'm pretty sure. I know Menard's gone. But keep naming them. Keep going. Uh, Jack Brandon, I've never heard of. That sounds like nope. a fake guy in Madden. Uh, Shane Hannafin, I think he's a hockey player. Uh, <laughs> and Jacoby Robinson, I think he played for like Florida like six no, years no, ago. No. So, Jacoby Robinson, I think he's third string. He's And he's actually okay. pretty good. So he, I think okay. those are the three guys. All right, those are it. We got three quarterbacks, not the hey, seven. Don't edit this out because I think, I think a lot of BC fans are in the same boat. They need this kind of catch up and, and recap on the offseason, especially yep. with this wild, wild west transfer portal situation. Well, look, and also, too, I, th- I do think, like, this is kind of on the team, right? Like, like when this team was consistently, you know, even seven wins or, or, or you know, then, you know, the Flutie years, people are trying to, like, win a couple more games. Like, you just would care more in the offseason. Like, I talked to my friends from, you know, uh, who, who, who root for, you know, true power five football teams that are in the hunt for New Year's Bowls every day. Like, they know everything that happens every day in the offseason because there's a reason to care. We can't put this much work into a three and nine football team. It's not healthy for us to do it. So I unplugged. I didn't really see who was joining the transfer portal uh, or who left rather. So I don't know. Here we are. We're all trying to. No, help, it was it was just to me too. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. That was part of my 20 minutes of research was going through the portal. Uh, I just want to list off a couple guys that have left just to, to jog everyone's memory. Obviously, Phil to Pitt was the big one, Jerko, um, which I love how the national media is like, oh, you got Frank Signetti and Big Phil Jerk back together to work. Brandon national- Walker, the, the the moron from Mississippi who can't, you know, doesn't know how to read a book. And now all of a sudden he's the biggest Phil Jerkovic fan in the world. He couldn't pick out Pittsburgh or Boston on a map. Everyone's it's saying idiots it, though. Who just who Even- think that, oh, he went to Notre Dame. He was, you know, yeah. top, you know, this great recruit, whatever. And by the way, nothing but respect for Phil. His His first year here, I thought was great. The injury, though, like changed who he was as a player 100 percent. And he just hasn't been the same sense. So people expecting him to get back to what he was in the COVID year, are, I think, are out of their minds. Totally agree. All right. Uh, so Jalen Gill is now at Fresno State. Jason Matry went to Wisconsin. Uh, I'm not going to name all of them, just kind of the heavy hitters here. Uh, Finn Durstein and Josh DeBerry. Get this, Matt. Texas A&M. Steve Adazio strikes back, baby. Yeah. So, uh, so those are the DeBerry's big ones. a big loss. DeBerry's a big loss from what I from what I think. I don't know. Yeah, and a little unusual that we lost that many D backs. You figure that Halfley had, had shown at least Ohio State that he was capable of developing these guys. So, you know, I wonder if there's more to the story there. These guys don't aren't potentially getting the the reps, or they feel like they're not going to make it to the next level, uh, which was one of Halfley's big selling points. So that's certainly you know a bad thing. But like I said, we did backfill with some some transfers that some of which are pretty good. So. I don't think we'll be in. Uh, I think overall it was a net positive portal wise with uh, you know especially the O line guys and UCF guys that I talked about. So uh, and and I think that's important because when you have a shitty year like we did, like I don't know that I would have stuck around. I would have because I love BC, but like it's so easy to go elsewhere now. And if you're a star player, like a guy like Ezraku, for example, 
Like he probably could have made a, he definitely could have made a bunch of money going on an SEC power. But the fact that he, you know, was, was willing to stick it out, it, it, it doesn't mean it, in, in this era of college football, like that's that's huge. So character overall, guys, man, character guys. Uh, all right, so let's see what else is on the list here. Uh, talk about let's just mention conference realignment briefly here. Okay. Obviously, it sucks what happened in the Pac-12, and it's it's like we're erasing these great traditions and all that. And everyone, I think, feels like we're on the same page there, that the networks and the money are, are kind of ruining some of the traditions that we all love about college football and what makes it unique compared to the pros. Speaking specifically to what's been in the news this week, potentially Stanford, Cal, and, and SMU are looking to join the ACC. You know, just my take, and I haven't done a ton of research on this, but I think it'd be good to have them. Obviously, Stanford's a brand. Cal's a brand. SMU is SMU. But I, I think it'd be good just from a stability standpoint, right? Obviously, you, 100%. Have, you 100%. have teams that are threatening to leave, and, and most of all, Florida State, and I really can't stand their arrogance right now. I mean, you have one good year in 10 years. Like, they're barely 500 of the past decade, they're, and they're acting like it's the 1990s, you know, seminals that were actually in, you know, nationally relevant. So, um, but, but, you know, the reality is that despite the greater rights going through, what is it, 2036? 36, I think, yeah. Like, we're going to see some movement and teams will be leaving the ACC in the next few years, I, I have to imagine. And I mean, it's look, weird. Look at the like, opportunity cost, like, they're, they're going to leave at some point. Yeah, I mean, like, everyone's kind of, it's been the hot thing to say on Twitter since this all started, you know, whatever, I guess like a year ago now. They're like, oh, there's, you know, definitely all these lawyers sitting in a room trying to figure out how to get out of this grant of rights. It's been a year and, like, no one's really done anything and, and they've, I think, tried everything they can. It, it does seem like, and again, I'm not a legal guy. We have our, our legal uh, our legal counsel that we could turn to for this. But, like, it does feel like this thing is kind of rock solid, doesn't it? Like, it almost feels like if it was going to happen, it kind of would have already. And I know FSU has had their, you know, whatever, their board of regents and everyone else come out and they're being very, you know, blustery about like, oh, yeah, we're going to definitely get out of here and, and we're not long for the ACC and all that. And they're voting against Stanford and Cal. But I, I don't know. It does kind of feel like their play right now is just to be kind of dicks and like try to ruin everything and try to vote against Stanford and Cal and like try to make the ACC unstable. But they really can't go anywhere. So. We'll see how it all turns out. I do think, yeah, adding Stanford and Cal from purely a football perspective and I guess a basketball perspective too, I think would be would be awesome. Uh, you know, we're supposed to play at Stanford, what, in like, I mean, I know these out-of-conference schedules don't matter anymore, but we're supposed to play them in a couple of years or whatever it is. Like that, I think we're all super excited about uh, another great academic institution. It does kind of shore the ACC up as this like, you know, the academic conference because obviously they can't read in the SEC. Big Ten is like fine. Those are fine schools, but they're more like, I don't know, just Midwest having a, a ton of fun. And I don't know, the Big 12 doesn't really, well, the Big 12 doesn't really exist anymore. Um, Oop. So it would shore up Oop. the ACC. Matt, can I stop you there? So the Big 12 does exist. And they actually bu- added a bunch of teams from the Pac 10 or Pac 12. That's Pac-12 right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No All right, Pac 12 doesn't exist. But either way, those are kind of the, the stepchild conference. Uh, so the ACC can be kind of like the, the coastal elite conference, so to speak. I'm all for it. Mm hmm. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, every year, and, and I kind of get it if you're Clemson, right? And, and part of the argument is that, you know, why do we make the same as a BC or a Wake Forest or a UVA? And I kind of get it. I'd be pissed off too. Then they uh, should have had better lawyers five years ago, right? Like that's yeah. on them. You signed this deal. I think I think that's the fair counterpoint. And you're right. If, if it was possible to break the, like if there was a legal argument, it would have been broken by now and they would have left and said, hey, we'll deal with it in court. Right. Um, the other reality is, and then we can move on, I don't know that anyone wants FSU. Like the Big Ten doesn't. I know that they're more fo- focused on I the North Carolina. I think the SEC schools. does, right? The SEC Maybe. would take them immediately. I don't. It doesn't seem like it. Seems like the SEC is pretty content to uh, to stand pat for now. So when the F, when the FSU president was saying all that stuff, and most of it was just kind of a temper tantrum, like you didn't see any other conferences say, "Oh yeah, we'd be interested." Like there, I think UNC is certainly a brand that people can get behind. Despite the academic, uh, you know, issues they had, it's a good school, great brand. Uh, North Carolina is a very important market. I think the Gators would have a big issue with FSU coming in, right? Like, there's there's a lot of politics in yeah, some of this stuff. I love how NC I mean, it's like BC UConn. It's like BC UConn in 04, right? Like, you don't right. want a regional guy coming in. 
NC State's hitching their wagon to, to North Carolina, which is probably a good strategy, but they were one of the ones that seemed, I, I guess, voted against uh, Stanford and Cal. It's a, it is a good strategy, but it's hilarious. Who do these guys think they are that like anybody cares about NC State at all? I understand. I think there's like some legal things to it because I think because they're all part of like the Carolina State school system, like they kind of have to vote together. But NC State continues to be the most arrogant fan base in the ACC that they think that they in any way are this like prize jewel of conference realignment and belong in some, you know, top tier conference alongside Alabama or, you know, going the Big Ten route. Right. hundred percent. I got a lot of I got a lot of hate in my heart today, Matt. Feels no, like I can kind tell. of some things out here. I can tell. Um, I have a couple other dudes here. One is I think we touched on. We can't possibly be worse. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just rip off some stats from last year's campaign that we all and then we'll all put it out of our memory for the rest of the time. 17.8 points per game offensively compared to 30.3 points allowed on D per game. Not going to win a lot of games playing like that. 63 rushing yards per game, dead last in FBS by a mile. Dead last in virtually every single offensive line advanced statistic. We lost to UConn. Notre Dame beat us 44-0. We cannot be worse. I think that's that's the number one dude. Like It, it just can't be, right? Going hand in hand with that is we have the easiest schedule in the country, according to ESPN Football Power Index. The downside is like six wins is not really an accomplishment this year, and it could result in someone like Father Leahy being saying, "Hey, we made the Fenway Bowl. Five more years for Halfley. Six wins is is not an accomplishment this year. Like, there's no excuse. We should sweep our out of conference schedule. We'll, we can get into it the game by game breakdown if we have time here today. But like, this is I want to say eight wins minimum. That means we're we're at least heading in the right direction. The other downside is we could really embarrass BC football further. Obviously, we lost to UConn last year. This year, we play Holy Cross. Like, are we going to lose to Holy Cross, who just joined FBS? I don't know. They're they're, they're actually kind of decent. We'll get into it. Are we going to lose to UConn again? I think we play UConn again, right? Revenge yeah. game. Like, yeah. if Halfley hasn't gotten his shit together by now, this could be another historic bad year that this time has even more laughing stock of New England, you know, connotations. So uh, it's it's a dude and a poo, depending on uh, what Halfley did this offseason. Yeah, nothing to add. Again, I think the 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 benefit, like I said earlier, is that last year just made me numb. I guess that's a good thing. Like I can't get hurt anymore, at least as far as I know. Now we'll see if we're you know rip off. You know, we beat Florida State. We rip off the first you know whatever it is six wins. And then we lose to like army on the road or something, then that's going to be a pain I haven't felt in some time. But if we lose Northern Illinois, if we lose to Holy Cross, you know, it's like at what point I just can't, I can't get hurt anymore. Right. And, and I don't know, man. Listen, you like these turnarounds can happen. We saw TCU 100%. Last oh my year, God. Right? 100%. It just, T- Halfley has not shown to be the guy. I don't know. I don't want to yeah. get into it being positive. I just like, I, I haven't seen anything other than Moorhead. I, I do, I, I like Moorhead a lot. I haven't seen anything from Halfley that indicates to me that he's going to be the guy to engineer a turnaround from what was one of the worst seasons in, you know, BC history last year. Right. So, so I was going to bring a couple of examples and it's, it's kind of, I'm kind of joking, kind of not, I don't know. TC was five and seven last year before they made the natty. Obviously that was a coaching change situation. Same thing with Duke, right? Duke had a big turnaround. They were three and nine the year before and then went to nine and four last season under, under uh, Elko. I mean, Adazio did it a couple us. times. I mean, they were big turnarounds, but he took it from, you know, whatever, two wins to, you know, six. Two like, seven. I mean, you, yeah. Seven, right? Was, uh, so, like, you can do it, but I don't know. Yeah, that was, uh, what, 20, after 2015? Oh, that was Daz's third year. That wasn't so good. I'm getting my math mixed up here. It was Spaz through 13. It was the Fenway game. Andre Williams against, it, was the, was it was the year we played Fenway at Notre Dame, so it would have been our third year out of college. Fall of 13. <laughs> so fall, fall 13, 15. Adazio took over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm doing the timeline here. So yeah, Adazio yeah. took over fall of 2013. It was the uh, fall Spaz. of 2015. It was the 2015 season. Well, well yeah, but like um, even before that, Spaz, we'd gone 2-10 and 10 our senior year, and then mm-hmm. Adazio took the team over and what we go, 7-6 and six, uh, yep. for a couple that years. Right. And then, yeah, until 2015. And then kind of turned around again under Patty Tolls, made a bowl. So anyway, just saying, it can happen. Um you know, we're probably not going to be in the natty next season, but you never know. You, you never, never know. know. Morehead more could be could be in the Heisman discussion. Azuraku could be the game changer on defense. Like, there's a lot of a lot of ways for this to go right. A lot of it comes down to the O line, obviously, which we'll talk about. Um, all right, so 
I think that's everything on my list. Is there anything I didn't mention? No, I want to. Well, I have a, I have one other. I want to talk about the receivers, but we can kind of hit on that uh, if I move to Eagles in the Wild, Matt. If that works for you, yeah, go for it. Well, the, so Eagles in the Wild again is a reminder to people because we haven't recorded in like three years. Uh, is generally where we look at BC alumni and the great things they're doing all over the world, sporting and otherwise. So the first one on our list has to be Zay Flowers, uh, first round draft pick, has been tearing it up in the preseason so far. He is unguardable. I think he is the best athlete to ever come out of the BC program. I don't want to say the best player because it's an argument that I don't feel like getting into. And I also don't know that he would be the answer, but the best athlete to ever come out of the program. And I think he's going to have a massive career. Obviously, the downside to that is the gaping hole that it leaves in the wide receivers room. But Matt, this is like a group that you want to talk about a group that kind of had a big loss, but I'm not that worried about. This is probably the one. I mean, obviously, we talked about O'Keefe and reloading with that. But like Dino Tomlin, I think, has made a lot of strides. Uh, I think Joe Griffin Jr. is the one who's having a great a great uh, training camp so far. Mm-hmm. But even if you read the write ups, like I think, you know, I think you see, you know, Jaden Skeet, you see Lewis Bond's name. Like, I don't know. There, it seems like based on everything that I'm reading at a camp, which is, again, very little, pretty much just tweets from AJ Black that our receivers are actually starting to show out, and there's some reasons for optimism here. Right, plus Takis, if he's fully healthy. I think he yep. was banged up most of last year, but you know, he's supposed to be a pretty good pass catcher as well. There's a lot of weapons, and and you, know, you talk about, obviously we still have Garwo um, and, and Broom. If he can uh, get going out of the backfield, like there's a lot of weapons on this offense. That's why it all kind of comes down to, uh, can we get the offensive line sorted out? It's just kind of a waste of all these skill guys, much like we wasted Zay otherwise but yeah just just on the Zay stuff too like what he's doing in camp it's, it's not a surprise to anyone what he's doing in camp and, and thus far it's not a surprise to any of us I think it is a exactly. surprise to like the country of course yeah but he's pretty much locked in as, as Lamar Jackson's wide receiver one uh I I need to look up what his is that true rookie uh I mean it's him at o- Odell who's getting up there there's so. one other guy too I, I saw I saw Zay listed as wide receiver three at something last week and I thought that seemed low but there's one other guy that's, in, I think, in between them. But either way, I think he's going to be like rookie of the year type stuff. Yeah. And plus Tony touchdowns is in Baltimore, too. I'm pretty sure. Yep. So, yep. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm going to put some money down on Zay for offensive rookie of the year. That's a no brainer. Uh, I got one of the Eagles in the wild here, Matt. Did you were you watching the Notre Dame Navy game? I watched the first quarter and then I got sick to my stomach until Notre Dame was, was bad sports about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They said on the broadcast, and they just kind of said it in passing, Luke Keekley is apparently mentoring some of the Notre Dame linebackers. Like, what are we don't doing? like that. Hey, Luke, Band of Brothers, you should watch it sometime. I don't like that. So, I don't like that. You were his freshman year roommate, basically. I was. I know. So, anyway, that's it's Eagles in the Wild. Yeah. Do you, still have his, do you still have his number? I feel like you should place a call there. I know you've... Placed many of uh, voicemails at some point during our four years, but I don't know if you've spoken with him since. I got I got ways I can get to him. Yeah. Okay. I'll see what That's I can good. do. But All right. Fire that. I don't want to make it, I don't uh, want to make this a big deal. But why isn't Halfley, you know, calling Luke? Why isn't he on the staff? It's stupid. Yeah. Didn't Sean well, Duggan think, yeah. play with him? Why isn't Sean calling him? I don't know that they overlapped. Did they? I don't know. I don't know either. All right. Okay. Uh, I got one more Eagles in the Wild map. Starting a new thing this year. You've seen it on Twitter a couple times. Game day runs on the West Side Highway. I think okay. that. I, I, I think that New York City, of Power 5 programs, I think BC has to be in the top, like, 10 of alumni bases of Power 5 programs in New York City. Obviously, if Syracuse, Penn State, probably Rutgers, but Rutgers kids probably live in, like, Hoboken or something. Wow. But you have some big programs at the top. But I think BC absolutely falls into the top 10, if not top 5. Michigan is huge here. So anyways, point is, on the, on the West Side Highway uh, on, of Manhattan, for those who are not familiar with the area, great running track. A lot of just like good-looking guys and girls running around on Saturdays. Uh, it's a very good-looking part of the town. And everyone is wearing, or many people are wearing, uh, college gear. So I'm kind of carrying the flag for BC, it feels like. I wear a BC hat and a BC shirt every time I, uh, I go out on Saturdays. When I go during the week, I wear like Lululemon or like nice things, but if I go on the weekends, I always wear the all modern gear and it's a direct measurement of how we're doing as a fan base is the number of kind of go Eagles and the responsiveness that I get. Because again, when we're doing well, we're, you know, after a big win or if we're kind of running off a good start to the season, like everyone's excited. If you see the maroon and gold anywhere, you're going to make a point to chase someone down and give kind of a go Eagle shout out. 
when things are not going well, it's it's the exact opposite. So we're trending not in a great spot right now. I went out for a long one today. I only got uh, I got three. They were all induced by myself. I, I chased one. Uh, there was a couple and the girl was wearing a BC backpack. I was going to take a right, but I ended up going straight to chase them down to say go Eagles. So that one I kind of forced. No one said it to me, um, which is a little bit concerning. So it's just something to keep an eye on throughout the uh, the rest of the season. But I'm going to do it every game day. Uh, I like to get out, you know, nine or ten a.m. on a on a Saturday morning. So if you see a six foot five guy running like seven minute miles on the West Side Highway, not a big deal in BC gear. It's probably me. Go ahead and give an Eagles uh, an Eagles shout out. Matt runs. That's the headline there. Yep. Matt super cardio fast. runs long distances. Um, How's the BC Alumni Network in uh, Philly, Matt? Uh, it's strong. I'd say it's strong to quite strong. Um, Is it just you? Yeah, I'm not as much of a cardio guy. I'm more of just arms only. Um, yep. So you know that. And so if I see folks at the gym, you know, sometimes I'll I'll give a I'll give a wave. But yeah, it's good. We're gonna get the game watches going this year down here. Excited about that for any games I can't the make it up to Chestnut Hill on. Well, that's the thing. It was a bit of a COVID situation with the go-to bar, so we have to kind of build it back up. So I'm working with a couple of local prospects. There's a neighborhood bar a few blocks. Oh, down. you're taking the race. Good candidate. Uh, yeah, I mean, the people that are currently running it, I, I, it's been radio silent. So, uh, so, yeah, we'll make it happen. If you're in the Philly That's area, awesome. shoot me a message and uh, we'll make it happen on game days. I might just have people over here. We'll just kind of have a, you know, you a, great a nice place. time. The we'll roof, do some, do some grilling. Really yeah, why not? Huh? So, All right, uh, let's talk. So I got one thing left to talk about, Matt, and that's Northern Illinois. Do you want to go game by game? I don't really have a, a good feel on the schedule. I know it's really easy, and I know Florida State's kind of the only good – you know, opponent that we have. So we have a chance to do well. I mean, maybe we save that for a future episode due to my lack of preparedness to go game by game here. I would like to just go kind of a quick Mike and the Mad Dog game by game. You know, I know you're not a Mike and the Mad Dog guy, but you I go don't through know, you I don't know say, what that means. Couldn't be easier. You just go through game by game. We do this, say, we do this every right, year. You know, yeah, home, holy cross, win, et cetera. Okay, uh, all right, I want it. There's a couple things. I want to make a couple points here and there as we go. We um, do so I'm running through in here. Yeah, well, we can kind of do it together. Okay, Northern Illinois at home, I think that's a win. I have some concerns, and we can give our proper Northern Illinois breakdown in a minute. Okay. Yeah. But I think that's a win. Uh, yeah, fine, for the sake of this exercise, win. Okay. Holy Cross, I think this is the game that everyone has circled on their calendar as like being absolutely terrified of and potentially for good reason. I have it as a win, Matt, but like I don't think people are wrong to be very concerned. Uh, Holy Cross obviously had a very successful year in the FBS last year. Uh, what did they make the semifinals, national semifinals? I don't know. They had a really good year. They beat Buffalo, a Division One team. They, I think that was the only that was the only Division One team they beat. But they beat a Division One team. Uh, they beat UConn the year before. We lost to UConn this year. Like we very well could have lost to Buffalo last year. Maine, we. I don't know if I would, it's fair to say we struggled with Maine, like we ended up pulling away, but it wasn't as comfortable as we necessarily would have liked to have been. So I don't think there's reason to be like, we we are definitely going to lose this game, but it's not our traditional Division II team of like, oh, we're playing Howard and we're going to win by, you know, 85 to nothing and they're going to stop, stop the clock in the third quarter. I don't know if I had a dream or something. I thought Holy Cross joined FBS. That's not true. Maybe it's because they're yeah, better, I said they're that better than you UMass said it, and UConn. So, right. so. I thought it was FC. Yeah, okay. You, you said it earlier. And I, okay, all good. All good. Uh, maybe they just joined FCS from Division 2. I, I don't know, Matt. doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, Bob Chesney's their coach. He's a stud, and hopefully he's coaching waiting. If Halfley is not the guy long-term, which we all hope he is. But, yeah, they ripped through their schedule, you know, last year. And, uh yeah, they lost to, it looks like, South Dakota State in the quarterfinals. So no shame in that. Quarterfinals. Um, don't know anything about their, you know, roster or who's, you know, their quarterback or anything like that. But it's going to be a close game, I bet. I mean, we'll talk about it. But I think if we have an offensive line, it won't be. And if we don't have an offensive line, then what we would probably be in danger of, of, of losing there. So uh, let's, count it, let's, let's count it as a win for now. Quick uh, debate that we've been having. I don't know if you and I have been having it or, or with some of our other friends. Bob Chesney, is he a good-looking guy? I think he is, but I'm not sure. Uh, I don't have a visual on him. Let me uh, – Yeah. Yep. He, he has some pictures where he's definitely a good-looking coach. Not like Cliff Kingsbury, obviously, but good-looking guy. And then others where he's – he kind of looks a little like Halfley. So just something to keep an eye on if he does become our next head coach. He looks like – 
Let's see here. Who was um who was Jack Bauer's number two at twenty four? Tony Tony, Tony Almeida. He looks like Tony Almeida. Tony Almeida. Tony Almeida was good the whole time, right? He went bad for a season, but that was just because he was being undercover. Is think, that right? I think that's right. Yeah. Or it was when his wife got killed. Mm-hmm. Then he kind of got angry at the CTU. That sounds right. Because I remember it was kind of, oh, yeah, Michelle. That was the – didn't Jack also have a thing with her? Maybe not. Jack had a thing with Nina, and then Nina went bad. That's Nina right. definitely was bad. I don't remember any of this. I don't know if Jack had a thing with Michelle. It's been uh, It's been 20 years. Um, Rest in peace to Edgar, though. Yeah, that was a tough death. In real life? If or, it wasn't the gas, it would have been a heart attack. But Yeah, yeah. he died a hero. Um, if you, by the way – we should move on quickly here, but watch Designated Survivor. I'm like midway through season two. I watched the first few episodes then when it came out five years ago. It's an awesome show. Like it's pretty good. Season two kind of sucks, but season one was awesome. So recommend it. That's uh, that's Kiefer Sutherland, loaded cast, and um, he's president and he's a Designated Survivor. So don't take this the wrong way, but it's it's not surprising to me that you are a network TV guy. No offense. I just I also streamed Swamp Kings about the Florida nice. Gators last night, so I'll do okay. both actually. So. Okay, that's 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 ideal. All right, Florida State. Uh, look, even, I am a very optimistic BC fan. I think Florida State is you know probably a little bit overrated. Mike Norvell seems like an absolute douchebag. That said, I think that we're going to be in some trouble here. I'm counting this as a loss if I'm being just totally objective. If we pull it off, I think I will. I will put it this way: if we start the season three and zero. I will feel very confident that we're going to win the national championship, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, it's tough to call this a win after what they did to us last year, and, and they returned everyone. That's why there's so much hype. I think they're like a top ten uh, in, in the coaches poll or in the AP poll. Yeah. yeah, it's just I mean, they might actually be good, which sucks. I mean, obviously Travis Rudolph potentially is his name, quarterback. Uh, who's who's generating some Heisman hype? He's very quick. He's been killing us the last four years. Jared Verse, I know him. He's uh, a stud defensive end that that you know was one of the top players in the in the conference last year. I think they got a couple good transfers on top of it, so they got that great running back as well. So, yeah, again, can't call it a win. And so, I'm just gonna keep saying it: if we don't have an offensive line, it's gonna be another you know 40 point game like it was last year, which just wasn't close after the first quarter. But yeah, but Matt, uh, Matt, Matt, remember what happened last Red Bandana game against Florida State? I think it was the last one. 35 to 3 back in 2017, I think, something like that. Remember that? Yep. And I, I I think we've both said that we do not like that the Red Bandana game has been straying into like October and November. Right. This is, you know, the first game after September 11th. This is a proper Red Bandana game. It's what, you know, it's it's basically what the game was meant to be. So you're right. Could be special. Could be a special night. Like USC all over again. Right. Um, Louisville, Matt. We head down to Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky on September 23rd. Louisville. I think this is a win. We beat them last year. Matt, we never talked about this last year because I don't think we were recording at this point. But do you remember how the Louisville game ended last year? It's funny. I had like nobody. This this wasn't talked about at all. It wasn't talked about on Twitter. It wasn't talked about anywhere. But we basically almost lost that game on a final Hail Mary like 20 minutes after the ESPN broadcast ended in what would have, I think, been like up there with the band is on the field for heartbreaking slash shocking ways a football game ended. I don't remember that specifically, but now that you say that does jog my memory. I did watch the two-minute recap because I had no recollection we beat Louisville, who was actually kind of decent last year. They were an eight, eight or nine-win yeah. team, and it was just kind of the Zay show. That was when he made that nasty catch. It was also when Jerko yep. – Made one of the worst passes in college football history, throwing it as he was falling down behind him, uh, resulting in like a 30-yard fumble, an immediate Louisville score, I think. But anyway, yeah, it was a hell of a game and uh, one of our three wins. So there you go. It's a win. That's so a win. I'm going to count that as a win. Yeah. I'm going to count that as a win. So we are three and one collectively right now. Yeah. Uh, Virginia, we can be quick on this. I think Virginia people project to be the worst team in the ACC yes. coming into town on the 30th. That's a win. We're projected 13th and, and they're projected 14th in most uh, prognosticators. Okay, they're worse than us. Yep. They're worse than us. Win. All right, so four, we're four and one. Kiwi revenge game. Uh, Arm- yep. Uh, Army, Matt, October 7th. This is the game that I am far and away the most excited about for this season. We, you and I, a couple of our other roommates from the class of 2013, a couple of the New York fellas are getting on a, a ship from New York City up the Hudson to West Point at 7 a.m. on October 7th 
Uh, it's going to be just a phenomenal morning. The Hudson is, for my money, the most beautiful river in America. I don't know if there will be foliage at that time of year. It might be a little bit early in October. But I'll tell you what, Matt, if you've ever taken the train from New York, the Adirondack up to up to Saratoga, up to Albany, you know, that's one of the most picturesque rides you're going to have anywhere in the country. So doing that from the water on, you know, in my mind, what I'm picturing to be this like, you know, sloop of war up the Hudson is going to be uh, quite an experience. <laughs> Credit to Boston College alumni yes. for, for setting this up. Uh, it's a pricey package. I think it's like 250 but it includes a ticket, open bar, you know, round trip transportation on the Hudson, everything else you can ask for. So this is by far the game I'm circling as the most excited. And it is a how, how do you pronounce the stadium? Is it Mikey or it's spelled Mitchie, but I think it's pronounced Mikey. Yeah, it's one of those. Mikey Stadium revenge Mitchie. game after the terrible. It's spelled Mitchie, but I think it's pronounced Mikey. Okay. But it's the Mikey Stadium revenge game after the disaster that was uh, 2012. That was our senior year, 2012. Correct. You covered it. And, and I was going to mention, yeah, we have some skeletons that we got to take care of. Terrible, terrible road trip. Good, great time. Had a good time up at Army walking through West Point. Obviously, very historic, very cool campus. Uh, but not a fun drive home after that. Uh, I think we allowed 680 something rushing yards that day and 50 points. To Couldn't a, handle the triple option. To a bad Army team. So, uh, Listen, love the troops, and we just want to see a good football game. Would be nice to get a win there. I don't think they're projected to be very strong this year. Correct. All right, so we are now at, what is that, one, two, three, four, five, and one. Yeah. Georgia Tech, maybe, Matt, Matt heading maybe, down to it. Maybe getting some votes. Who knows? Five and one, you're getting votes. I know we haven't really beat anyone good at five and one, but I think we're starting to get some votes. We then have a bye week to just kind of collect ourselves, head down to Atlanta, Georgia Tech, I feel good about this one, too. I don't really have any reason. Just Georgia Tech, I never really take seriously. Uh, this would be a good road trip for us, but uh, I don't know. I can't just go to every game for a team that I just don't really care about that much. Yeah, back-to-back's not great. Um, I think they have a second-year head coach, maybe. And, and, yeah, again, I don't know how they did last year. I assume they weren't very good. Um, but they can typically run the football. Although, no, I'm all messed up. They lost their running back to Alabama. That was last year. So, again has no bearing on this matchup. Matt, we're going to call that a win because we don't know. A win. Yeah. Six and one. Uh, next one is easy. UConn revenge game, homecoming. It's officially homecoming weekend, and it's also like the reunion weekend, which is another topic for another day. But the fact that they're trying to do this whole thing of making some reunions on a football weekend instead of just doing like the summer thing is insane to me, and it's a terrible decision by Boston College. Thank God that we haven't had a football weekend reunion wet. We just go up to football games. We don't need it to be this like reunion event. Anyways, that's the UConn game. It's a revenge game. I think we win that game last year if Moorhead plays the whole time. So now with him in the game, with the you know, revamped offensive line, everything else that we talked about earlier, I think this is like a, a halfly run up the scoreboard game and we win like 60 to 7, something crazy like that. Uh, and we're now standing at 7 and 1, Matt. I, I can't believe how easy this schedule is. Holy one, cow. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, yeah, 7 and 1. This is a really easy schedule. <laughs> it gets a little tougher here in the next four. I mean, marginally, but... Not really. Syracuse it, is next. <laughs> I think that's another. I mean, going to the Dome is always a little tough, but, you know, is Dino Babers still there? I think he's on the hot seat, right? He is. Yeah, I think they uh, they turned around a little bit last year, and they got that quarterback, uh, Garrett Schrader, who's doing maybe year eight. Uh, let me confirm yeah. if that's the case. Garrett Schrader. Uh, but he's actually pretty good, and he's a dual threat, which we're historically not great at. Yeah, it looks like Gary's still there. Um so this this one this is probably the first game I'm concerned about. Um, I'm going to call this a win, but it's close. Okay, I will support that win. Uh, we do well in the dome. It feels like sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Depends if Eric Dungey's <laughs> there. Morehead. This was Morehead's first real minutes. I think right was at Syracuse two years ago. Oh shit! I'm just remembering. I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was his first official time, but he looked good. He came in I'm, and he looked pretty good in the dome. I'm just remembering how bad we played last year and let that game slip away. So yeah, another revenge game. Win. Can't play any worse than we did well, I'm last saying, year. This is two years ago. I, two well, years I know ago. that, but we also played him last year, Thanksgiving yeah, weekend, yeah, yeah. and it was a yeah. effing disaster. So uh, all right, eight and one. At this point, we definitely have a lot of. I think we're firmly in the top twenty-five at eight and one. Vatek at home. Vatek, I think, has been perennially pretty bad. I can't believe, I mean, they beat us. They did beat us last year, right? They did. Yeah, they smoked us. Yeah, everyone we beat could. us last year. Yeah. Uh, they were terrible last year. I don't think that's going to change. Eight and one with a, with a Vatek team coming in. Like, the stadium's going to be electric. I know they're not like a big time rival, but just eight and one gets people out in droves. 
Uh, so I think we have a huge home field advantage, and I think we win this one fairly comfortably, and we, we move to 9-1. and one. They beat us 27-10, to 10, but was this the game where we had like three yards of offense at halftime, something like that? I think that's right. Uh, I was this, week, that. this was week two, I think, It right? was a night game, and uh, yeah, we dropped to 0-2. We did start to turn it yeah. on, and we didn't really make it a game, but we started at least put a couple scores together. And then Jerk uh, threw a pick on the first drive, I think on the first that's pass, right? right? Yep, sure that's did. That's right, yeah. We had 15 yards rushing, at least Garwo did. That's great. So, uh, so yeah, again, comes down to the O-line. So uh, It can't get worse. Let's call it a win. Why not? All right, 9-1. and one. Uh, The game that a lot of people have circled on their calendar, the Phil Jerkovich-Frank Signetti revenge game, but it's kind of like reverse revenge because it's almost us avenging him for ruining last season for us. I just am like, obviously he's going to have a big chip on his shoulder, but we saw that when he's had chips on his shoulder going to Notre Dame games, he's dropped the ball every time and played terribly. So that doesn't exactly terrify me. This is not a guy who thrives on, you know, motivation or anything like that. So I don't know about you, Matt, but I think going into Heinz Field in in mid-November, like it's usually a pretty empty stadium, not a ton of home field advantage. I feel okay calling this one a win and moving us to 10 and 1. Yeah, this is one of those games I just you, you really can't predict uh, against the Eagles. We're not going to go down to Pitts. It's at Pittsburgh, is that right? It's at Pitt. Yeah, no, that's not great. Um, I don't know. Flip a coin for this one. There's so many variables on each of these teams. I mean, Narduzzi's done a really good job with that program, so it's not like they're just Jerko and nothing else. Like he's built a really strong defense. So I'm going to say it one more time, Matt. If we have an O line, that's a win for us. If we don't, that's yep. a loss. I'm going to say win. Well, I think we've been assuming we have an O-line in this exercise. So yeah. that's a win. 11-1. and one. And then, Matt, I think like <laughs> this, this is you know, shades of – People nine, are turning off the podcast right now. This is Shades of 19 uh, – what is it? 19 – I don't know. What was the – was the fall of 1985 was the Flutie game? The whole 84? season things messed me up 80? because like – because the bowl game would have happened – the following calendar year. I'm pretty sure it was 84, but it doesn't matter. I think you're right. right. Um, 1984. Okay. Shades of 1984. 11 and 1, or sorry, 10 and 1, Boston College, Thanksgiving weekend. The whole country is tuned in. Like the Moorhead Flutie comparisons will be, uh, you know, all over the place. Everyone's going to be super excited. I could see game day showing up. I think that this is like one of the more hyped. Why is this game? This game's scheduled for noon already. Maybe because it's a Thanksgiving weekend. They want Maybe to we'll get that, flexed. Can you, like, I feel like if it's in, is that a third? Uh, they always, 24? they always. Oh, it's a Friday, those. Matt. It's a Friday. It's a Friday after Thanksgiving. Oh, after That's Thanksgiving. even better. Yeah. Friday after Thanksgiving, which I think was when the Doug game happened, if I'm right about that. I think it was a Friday. I, I don't know what day of the week. I wasn't there. Um... I think it was on Thanksgiving. It was November 23rd, 1984. Let's see how good my calendar app is here. Why don't you just Google that date? Uh, I got it. I'm going to do the old fashioned way. Uh, It was a Friday, man. You got it. Friday. Friday. This was a night game. This is a day game. Friday after Thanksgiving. It has shades of. Shades of Doug Flutie. Uh, yeah. I think that this is like an ultimate culmination of everything that we've wanted as BC fans forever. And I think it's a super exciting game. Moorhead does something miraculous. We're on the cover of ESPN and, you know, lead story on SportsCenter. We are 11-1. and one. We are ACC champs. And uh, and we go from there. Well, I assume ACC champs. Does Florida State lose any games this year? Because they're the only ones who beat us. Where do they got this year? 11-1 will get us there with the divisions going away. We'll be at least in second. Yeah, because they and they're playing Clemson too, so someone's mm-hmm. going to beat each other up there, right? Yep. Uh, awesome, eleven and one, and we're in the ACC championship game. <laughs> you know what's funny? We did this live, and um, like I, I didn't look ahead to the schedule, and I kept saying, "All right, well, there's at least four losses on here. I just got to pick the teams." I, I kind of want to go back. I just couldn't find any. Like all these teams, are really terrible. Not, so yeah, let me let me just call. We can't predict eleven and one after we just went three and nine and lost eight flowers. You, you can't do that. Um, we're going to lose to Louisville. We'll lose to Syracuse, and we go nine and three. All right. Okay. Look, I think we could meet in the middle and call it ten and two, and we all be pretty happy with that. That that works for me too. All right, ten and two. You heard it here first. Ten and two. 
and, and even ten and two is not even like I can't believe how bad the schedule is. Maybe one of these teams. It's will a terrible us, schedule. There's also something to be said for if we if we're able to take care of the non-conference and it all starts with Northern Illinois, which we should talk about. Uh, yeah, just wow, can't believe how easy this is. This well, is like, we'll go into it. Give me your thoughts. Like You've done Northern Illinois research. This is like when in 2020 when NC State. Like they cooked up the easiest schedule possible for NC State, and they went nine and three, like playing the easiest schedule ever. Um, but yeah, let me pull up my Northern Illinois notes here. Uh, all right, so Northern Illinois spread is currently BC's favored by ten and a half. That seems like a ton of points. I don't think I'm gonna take. I, I'm not gonna lay ten and a half until I figure out what the O line is. That's a live bet. I'm gonna see how our first few drives go, and then I think we'll know pretty quickly. Not only what we got that game, but this season. Uh, so Northern Illinois went three and nine last year, like us, uh, similar to us, it was due to injuries the year before they won the Mac. So it's not like this is a shitty program. The quarterback is named Rocky Lombardi, which is an 11 out of 10 on the intimidating quarterback name scale. Uh, that's all I got. Like I said, the opponent doesn't matter. If we have an O-line, we'll win. If we don't, we won't. It's sort of that simple this season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think if you trot out last year's team. This is a game that is a toss-up and, you know, could fall the negative way. So, like, if we are better than we were last year, which I think we all expect, we should be fine and we should win comfortably. But I agree with you that we'll know after the first quarter of how does the line look? How does the defense look? How does Moorhead look? What are we trying to do with this two-quarterback system? If anything, we'll get a little bit of a read of, like, what this is all going to look like. But let me put it this way. If this is a game we come out, like, a lot of times if you start with a, you know, a bad division two opponent. And, you know, like when we played Northeastern our freshman year and you looked awesome, I guess that year we did win eight games, but like, you can't really tell anything from it. Cause it's like, you're supposed to dominate these teams. This is still a division one team. If we come out and we dominate and we look like a great football team, our line looks good. Our receivers look good. Moorhead looks good. Like that to me is going to be enough to inspire confidence throughout the rest of the way that these 10 and two and 11 and one predictions are, are not uh, utterly ridiculous, especially with the schedule. Yeah, I think it'll be a good barometer for the rest of the year. Just looking at that schedule, like most of our teams are going to be of similar skill talent. Northern Illinois will be on the lower end of that, but depending on what we do with Northern Illinois, whereas in years past, you typically get get you know you start out with the cupcakes and you don't really know what you got yep. the first few years. This is a good enough team where I think we'll know. So uh, looking forward to it. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Was it a noon kick? Uh, it is a noon kick on Labor Day Saturday. I don't think I'm going, but we'll see how this week goes. No, I, I will not be there. Uh, to be clear, I'm not going to be in attendance. Yeah, I, I might fly up Friday or something stupid. We'll see. That's crazy. I know. That's crazy. Look, I know. You can only go to so many games a year. Don't waste it on this well, one. I got, I got a couple of weddings during the key games, unfortunately. Like Florida State, I got a wedding. So yeah. I, if I'm going to make it up, I got to you know, I gotta make an effort in some of these earlier games. Because all the, like, what is it, four out of the first five are home, something like that. Like it usually is. Yeah, you go week one, week two, week three. Week five, mm-hmm. and then you're only home two other times, 28th of October, or sorry, one in October, one in November, sorry, and the one Miami, in October, yeah. two in November. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah, got to make it at least a couple early on, otherwise it, it goes quick. But that, Well, but as Virginia always, as you start to win, fun. right, like you get more of a reason to go up and like, you know, our friends collectively are like, oh, we should fly up for a game. Like, yeah. I think we'd collectively be if we're if we're sitting at whatever that number is, you know, eight and one for the Vatech game. Like we all collectively be like, oh yeah, we should go to that. I agree. Unlike last year, where we bought tickets to Notre Dame like six months in advance, and then we were what two? So we knew it was going to suck. Yeah, I didn't know it was going to be that bad. But no, New Year, we're turning out over a new leaf, and uh, anything can happen. So, uh, all right, that's all I got, Matt. That's all I got. Likewise. Look, hey, this was a lot of fun. I, you know, it was very unstructured. Uh, it was not the most research we've ever done. I hope people aren't uh, listening to us for any, like, again, like I said, kind of hot-hitting uh, or hard-hitting X's and O's takes. But, you know, we had some fun here, Matt. This was a nice little surprise. And hopefully, uh, again, we'll see how the year goes. I would not expect this to be a weekly occurrence. But as the team does well, sometimes that brings uh, brings even the, everyone out of retirement a little bit. I can't believe we just predicted tenants. I was not planning on doing it. I was thinking like eight and four. I just can't really, I can't get there with this. I schedule. can't find it, Matt. Yeah, can't find the losses. All right. Well, anyways, guys, thanks for thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, hopefully this is a fun season. I don't know if it's not like hopefully we're numb from last year. That's at least how I feel about it. So, uh, you know, keep in, keep uh, we'll keep following us on Twitter. We'll try to be active there koozies probably we'll probably get some koozies in the works at least for the army game we got to have something for the boat i agree i don't know totally agree 
All right, guys. We'll talk to you all soon. Go Eagles. Get it. <laughs>